You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and your resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dada. Well, today is the day that I think I'm going to go over the other games on Sunday. Maybe Monday, too, because I'll forget to talk about it. Not even so much forget, I just, I won't care. Be talking about the conclusion of the other game. Also, forgot about Thursday. I'm being a day behind just messes with me, and I'm I'm lucky that I even remembered to do this because I'm like I think I got another day. I say, like, well, if you want to do it on Sunday, well, I guess we got to do it today. We don't have to do it at all, but I want to. And again, similar to last week, I, if at all possible, I want to spend one half talking about it, and then the other half talking about other things. But um, sometimes that isn't the case. And again, the reason why on a Packers podcast I talk about things that are not Packers related necessarily, I mean, we're going to get to the Packers-Bears game, but um, is because a lot of these other teams, a lot of these other games impact us. The ones that don't, I'm going to try to get off real quick because I don't care, you don't care, nobody cares, but we'll, we'll kind of go quickly. I also this time want to be a little bit more detailed and have a little bit more fun with it. Usually I give general thoughts on win-loss, but I want to take a look at some of these betting lines and kind of go with that. Before we get there... A little bit of news to cover. All the players on our team, all of them, were practicing today. So John Runyon, David Bakhtiari, the whole team, they were all out there. Now, that doesn't mean they're all going to play. Some of the guys are still going to be limited or whatever, but everybody is practicing, which is good news, right? Especially David Bakhtiari. I know it doesn't necessarily mean anything. He could still be limping around and end up not playing the rest of the year. I don't know. But as far as maybe yesterday was more than just a rest day, doesn't seem like that was the case. Um, he is also doing team drills, so he's not out there just doing rehab stuff. He's going to be out there, you know, blocking and doing everything else. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I don't personally have the injury report yet, but it should be coming up soon. So I will be giving you that information, the information you probably already have, but you know, for those that don't, but, uh, it goes for Lazard, Elton Jenkins, the whole crew, um, some weird changing of the schedule for the, when they do padded practices. The only thing I found interesting about it though, is, um, the Packers have changed to their padded practices will now be on Wednesdays instead of Thursdays. But the biggest reason that they're doing that is they do their punt drills on Wednesday, and they want that to be a very physical drill. I hope they're also practicing kickoff drills, not just punting. That feels pessimistic. <laughs> you know, it's possible we could score and then still need special teams to go out and give them the ball for positive reasons. But all right, let's, um, let's do this. Washington Commanders, Detroit Lions. Go through the noon games first. We'll start with that one because that's the first one I'm looking at. Lions are one and a half point favorites. It is in Washington. I'm sorry, it's it's in Detroit. I'm an idiot. That's the whole point of this is why the only reason they're favorites. Lions do have several injuries. I don't know if any of these guys are going to be out or not. Uh, DeAndre Swift hurt his leg. 
Jackson, the guard, is questionable with an arm injury. Taylor Decker is questionable with a leg injury. So they got two hurt offensive linemen after already putting the right guard on IR. Here's what I think overall. I think there's going to be a lot of course correction. You're going to hear me talk about this a lot in these games. A lot of teams that got beat last week are going to come back and win this week. The whole thing with the Detroit Lions for me was the offense is the big question mark. I think they can do something quite well. Um, You know, I mean, obviously their quarterback is not good, but they got a solid offensive line. They got TJ Hawkinson, and then they got the wide receivers. But the problem is one of their wide receivers isn't even back yet, and that's the rookie. And he's a rookie, and he just has injury issues in general. And he's sort of a deep threat, which relies on Jared Goff being able to push the ball down the field, which he cannot. At least he hasn't in the last like three years or so. Last year was basically the DeAndre Swift show. He's graded as the number one running back in football. He is not the number one running back. He is not that good. That is going to be a major course correction. The offensive line actually got banged up pretty good last week. Now, Philadelphia has a pretty solid defensive line, but it's not infinitely better than what Washington has. Add in the injuries that they have, the right guard who they brought in, Logan Sternberg, was terrible last year. Week one, he had a 25.9 overall grade, a zero pass blocking grade. So again, the, the course correction for me, and by the way, the, the, it looked to me, if you just look at the score, like the Lions offense was elite and their defense was terrible, but really I think it was the defense was terrible and the offense picked up a bunch in garbage time. I don't think St. Brown was anything super special, not to say he can't do better this week, but I don't think the Lions have anything. I don't think the offense is really doing very much, and I think the defense is awful. I don't like Washington really at all. But I think Washington has enough on defense to kind of slow it down and plenty on offense. So basically, I think this is going to go similar to the um, Eagles game, which if you think of Washington as just a much lesser version of the Eagles, you should say that the Lions win. But again, I think the Lions are going to do less, at least offensively, at least in terms of scoring that many points. And by the way, I think if the Eagles had done less, I think the Lions would have scored less because again, a lot of those points came when the Eagles shifted it into neutral. I remember looking at it and saying they'd, they'd gotten completely blown out. We were watching other games. I think we were watching the Bears game doing a live stream. And it wasn't until after I saw that they were close. I was like, when did that happen? I thought the game was over. How did they almost come back? So I don't necessarily think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, let's go to the the markets. Got it at 48 and a half. Yeah, I, I think they're leaning on the Lions having a pretty... Well, it is it is a bad Lions defense. So Washington could maybe score a lot. I would I would lean more toward under something like I don't know maybe like a twenty four twenty three Washington victory. Again, it, it could certainly be higher because again I think Detroit's defense is absolutely abysmal. And if Washington gets on a roll, I think I think Detroit will probably try to keep that up. I think I think they'll keep up with them. I just think they lose. But I just I just think the Detroit offense is nowhere near as good as their point total would suggest. So I'll take Washington in a close, relatively low scoring game, and I'll stick with my 24-23 prediction. I'm going to write these down because I'm going to forget the second I'm done talking about it. Jets-Browns doesn't super matter. Um, This is very similar to, the Jets are very similar to how I feel about the Lions. I I look at them on paper and say, I think they got a real shot, but then I remember it's the Jets. Um, I know it's early and it was just one game and everything, but as of right now, the Jets have the best corner duo in football. Sauce Gardner, as a rookie, so far had a 73 overall grade. Just one game. doesn't. I understand it doesn't mean anything, but he had a really good game. He's ranked 12th. 
And DJ Reed uh, is number one in the NFL. I don't expect it to stay that way, but he's always been a good corner. And you got Jacoby Brissett throwing to Donovan Peoples-Jones and Amari Cooper, who played like garbage in week one. Quinnen Williams was dominant last week. Maybe going to be a little course correction here, but, you know, Quinnen Williams has that ability. For some reason, the Browns' offensive line played like garbage last week. I I think that's going to get turned around, obviously, because it's still probably the best offensive line in football. I just don't know how this team scores a lot of points. Cleveland did win last week, but it's the Carolina Panthers. I know they got a new quarterback and they got their running back back, but the team's still garbage. They scored 26. The issue is going to be the same thing with the Baltimore Ravens. How in the world are the Jets going to score any points? They couldn't do it against the Ravens defense. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it against the Cleveland Browns defense. So unfortunately, I'm going to have to pick the Cleveland Browns to go 2-0, even though I think they're a terrible team. Again, I think it's going to be relatively low scoring because I think it's the two defenses are clearly better than the two offenses. If anybody runs away with it, it's probably the Browns just because, you know, it's the Jets defense. So who knows? Good offensive line. You're probably going to lean on running the ball a ton, which is still conducive to a low scoring game. You want to kick field goals, run the ball, that whole thing. Browns are six and a half point favorites. They got the uh, score over under set at 39 and a half. Jeez. Clearly, they don't disagree with me on that. Um, so hard because you don't have a lot of information to go off of. You can look at last year, you can look at last week, but I think a lot of last week was an aberration for everybody. I'm going to say the Browns win 20 to 13. So that puts them, that actually puts them right at seven points. So the Browns cover, again, they're favored by six and a half. And I've got a pretty uh, steep under on that, surprisingly, because that's such a low number. Tampa Bay and New Orleans. I think the biggest interesting thing about this that I haven't heard a single Packer fan talk about is uh, Julio Jones is hurt. <laughs> Julio Jones is already injured. He hasn't practiced all week. Don't know his status for the game, but um, obviously that's not great. Uh, Mike Evans has been limited participant. Leonard Fournette limited. Russell Gage, wide receiver, did not participate. Chris Godwin, hamstring injury, did not participate. Julio Jones did not. So Julio's been out two days in a row. Chris Godwin's been out two days in a row. Russell Gage did not participate Wednesday, but did on Thursday. Mike Evans has been limited, or was limited on Thursday, did not participate on Wednesday. All of their wide receivers are hurt. All of them. Julio, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans did not practice on Thursday. I don't know their status today. I'm going to go look right now and see if I can find it on Twitter. Chris, what's his name from the Saints? I don't know. He's a Saints reporter or something. Says Mike Evans and Julio Jones should be go good to go for Sunday. Donovan Smith and Chris Godwin have been missing from practice all week. Bucks will drop their final injury report later today, so I don't still have that. I don't know why. I'm guessing Julio and Mike Evans were practicing is, is why he's saying that. But even still, Chris Godwin and Donovan Smith? I mean, th- this, this offensive line is getting to be unrecognizable at this point. Donovan Smith has become uh, Josh Wells. Luke Gadecki is a rookie. So they've gone from Ali Marpet to Luke Gadecki, who was terrible in his first week. Center Ryan Jensen has become Robert Hainsey. Alex Kappa is now Shaq Mason. Shaq Mason's actually quite solid, but he had a really rough week last week. And then they still got Tristan Wirfs out there. So, I mean, if, if Wirfs, Wirfs is solid. He's ranked number six, just picking up right where he left off. Shaq Mason kind of figures it out. You still got your left tackle, left guard, and center that are massive question marks. Then you got a banged up Mike Evans and Julio Jones, and potentially no Chris Godwin. And this Saints defense is no joke, man. I mean, I make fun of the Saints because their quarterback is a goofball, but uh, they got one of the best linebackers in football. They got a real stingy defensive front. 
Uh, Cam Jordan is just a demon off the edge. Marcus Davenport has really turned into a really solid. It took him a few years, but um, that's the guy they traded with us for when we traded back and then, well, whatever, did whatever we did. But uh, they got some pieces there to really terrorize Tom Brady. And they've also got pieces at corner like Marshawn Lattimore. And again, I know he's been declining, but he had a decent year last year. He's still he's still a talented dude. Uh, they got some some decent safeties. I mean, they, if nothing else, they've got some quality veteran starters. Then on the other side of the ball, obviously, uh, Tampa Bay also has some pretty good guys. But Jameis Winston had a great week one. Obviously, you know, he's going to challenge him deep down the field. That's what he does. Michael Thomas is back. He looked real good. Jarvis Landry is currently ranked the fifth highest wide receiver. Again, I don't expect that to necessarily stay there, but just to give you an idea of how good of a week he had. By the way, his grade is identical right now to what it was in 2020 and pretty consistently throughout his career. But this game is just the Packers hate bowl because Julio Jones and Jarvis Landry are on these teams and both of them are performing quite well. But it is funny that Julio's already hurt. Um, And then there's also Chris Olave, which Packer fans I'm sure wanted. But great offensive line. Uh, Winston's looking pretty solid. They got good wide receivers. I just, the Saints have kind of had their number for, for quite a while now. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. In their last eight meetings, the Bucks have won once. And that might've been a playoff game, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, I'm going, um, I'm going Saints to win. Bucks are favored by two and a half points. So obviously, you know what I think of that. They got the line set at 44. So about 22 points. That's tough, man. It's tough because you could easily see this become a shootout, but you also have some stingy defenses. You got an aired out um, quarterback in Winston with some real quality wide receivers, some real quality running backs. You got Tom Brady with his receivers. I mean, it's just it's just power against power. Could be high scoring, could be low scoring, could could be a blowout in either direction. If you know if if one offense is able to get it done on the other side's defense, and because the, they're both pretty evenly matched. But if Tampa's offense just has that little edge over the Saints' defense and the Tampa defense has a little bit of an edge over the Saints' offense, there you go. But again, I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to say it's cl- I just got a feeling this is going to be a, a kind of a premier game, as in pretty high scoring, fairly high scoring, I'll say that. Not super crazy. I know Tampa kind of got... Tampa didn't look great week one, but needed the Packers, needed a lot of teams. I'm going to say 28-30 Saints. Carolina and the Giants, the battle of the overhyped garbage. Kudos to the Giants. I mean, they're riding high. They got their uh, their new staff of Brian Dable and, you know, Wink Martindale's over there on, working their defense kind of like he did out in Baltimore. So, I mean, there's, there's reason for optimism there for sure. And they beat the Titans. They caught them with their pants down. It happened. Again, for Tennessee, whenever we get there, that's fully expect to bounce back. Cleveland, it's weird to call them overhyped because they lost, but still, I think they put up a bigger fight against the Browns than was expected, and so there's kind of questions of, you know, maybe maybe it's the other way, too, I, because we're also talking about Matt Rule's probably going to get fired after this year, but they just, they don't have anything, man. They, they don't have anything. As far as impact injuries, um, Carolina Panthers look pretty well good to go. Um, the Giants had Wandale Robinson, Aaron Robinson, and Nick McLeod not practice along with Devery Hamilton. I think the only guy that matters in this, if I'm not mistaken, is Wandale Robinson. But as good as the reports about him have been in that first game, one target, one reception for five yards, he was actually the highest graded um, player, or highest grade of a receiver, second highest graded, uh, receiving grade. Highest overall grade, second highest receiving grade. There we go. But uh, 
You know, it's funny. I mentioned the Bears had the lowest grade of any team that actually won a game. The Giants were the other team that actually graded out really poorly and won. Carolina was at, so the Giants and Carolina were right next to each other in terms of overall grade. The Giants won, Carolina lost. I mean, neither of these teams are really threats to us. But if I got to pick a team, I think it's the Giants. And I don't necessarily, I mean, I think Baker's the better quarterback. I think McCaffrey is the only real, like, elite weapon on any of these teams. I don't love their offensive line, but I don't really care for anybody that uh, the Giants have as far as pass rushers necessarily. Giants are one and a half point favorites. I kind of think they win by more than that. Probably another relatively low-scoring game. If you look at what the Giants did last year, their ability to put up points was terrible. They ranked 31st on offense. They got to 24 points three times. They scored 25, 27, and 29. That didn't get to 30 once. I do think they're one of the teams similar to the Lions, similar to the Bears, similar to a couple other teams that are kind of riding a high, especially with the new offensive uh, head coach and everything. It's funny, I was looking at it, and I, I was thinking 25, and I looked at that. That was They got to 25 last year against Carolina. I'm going to say it's similar. It was 25-3. to three. I don't think it's going to be necessarily that bad. Again, you got McCaffrey back. You got a much better quarterback there. But uh, I don't see it being much more than 25-17, and I think that's what I'm going to put it at. So it's, I'm actually taking the under on that. They got it at 43.5. I've got it at 42, but I'm clearly taking the Giants on the spread. Steelers Patriots I mean the big news here is Watt right TJ Watt is on IR right now so he's not going to be doing TJ Watt stuff and he's the biggest factor of that entire team I mean everything I keep saying about the Steelers not as good as everybody says they are you put a big you know circle around Watt and say this is this is where it comes from now they got some other players they got Cam Hayward who's still kind of a stud but other than that along the defensive line I don't think anyone is super fantastic I think the linebackers are pretty terrible. So you got decent corners and um, some decent safeties, I guess, with Minka Fitzpatrick and, well, Terrell Edmonds is pretty subpar, but it's it's an okay defense. Unfortunately for the Patriots, their offense is a joke. And so you got the Patriots who, even in the offseason, there were like serious, serious concerns about their ability to play offense. They go up against Miami, who's got a really good defense, Don't no doubt about it, but um, not massively better I would say than than the Steelers have they scored seven points Pittsburgh barely mustered up 23 to beat the Bengals and the only reason that went as far in their favor as it did and think about that 23 points but that's on what four turnovers you get your own offensive possession and then your defense gifts you four turnovers in fact I'd be willing to bet there were defensive scores correct Yes, the very first touchdown was Minka Fitzpatrick. So the offense got two touchdowns. These this this is these are bad, bad offenses. Mitch Trubisky went three and out on the first possession. Joe Burrow's first possession was a pick six. The next possession, they go four and out. The next possession, they essentially go three and out, but because of a short field, thanks to a fumble recovery, they get a field goal out of it. So that's another three and out. They, I don't think they've gotten a first down yet. They have ten points and zero first downs. That's astounding. Joe Burrow throws another pick, and they get the ball right around midfield. They do end up getting a a touchdown off of that, so they were able to take the ball about 60 yards on that one. They started on the their own 41-yard line. Possession after was a three and out. The next possession, I think they get one first down and then have to punt again. I mean, this offense is pure, unadulterated garbage. And I'm sorry, but the... Um, 
the New England Patriots are going to give you a, a tougher run for your money than the Bengals did. I mean, is this going to be like a three to seven football game? I'm a little curious if the offense of the Patriots is going to be able to figure out how to score on the Steelers, but I, I have very little. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this. They've got the over-under set at 40 and a half, um, and the Patriots are two-point favorites. I, I Man, I mean, I, I see it being roughly that close in the Patriots' favor. I would certainly take the under. I don't know if either team gets to 20, much less both of them. Well, one of them would have to get to 21. 21-20 would be the over. I don't think either of them get to that. I mean, I, I, 10-13 Patriots. I, I don't know. Uh, it's, it probably won't be that bad, but I'm just going to be obnoxious about it and say 10 to 13 Patriots. Colts Jaguars, another pretty useless game. Seems like everybody's relatively healthy, as far as I can tell. Um, I mean, the, the the biggest thing that's going to give me hope for the Jaguars is Trevor Lawrence taking a step, and it appears he has not done that. He's the exact same guy he was last year, at least through Week One. Um, I think the Colts have more than enough on defense to be able to to handle this. I mean, the, the wide receivers stepped up. Christian Kirk looked solid. Zay Jones uh, was decent, and he was last year, too, so I don't know that that's necessarily a fluke. And then, again, you got Matt Ryan with an elite running back, a dominant offensive line, and some wide receiver weapons that certainly work. I just I think this is fairly easily in the win column for the Colts, in my opinion. I, again, this is, this is a get-right game. I know they went and tied the Texans, which is a complete embarrassment, and it's horrible, and it's inexcusable, but they're in a similar situation to the Packers where you've got your get-right game with Jacksonville, and then you got your we-better-get-our-stuff-together game week three against Kansas City. This is their get-right game. They got to they gotta put it all on the line right here. But, I mean, this was the... The Jaguars were dead last on offensive point scoring last year, and they did go out and get a couple weapons, and yeah, they got Brandon Scherf at guard and everything, and that's cool, so maybe they won't be dead last, but it's kind of like the Packers special teams where you kind of just want to not be dead last. Okay, you're 30th, you still suck. And they had the 28th-ranked defense, by the way. I mean, just across the board, horrific football team. I know if they've made some changes, I get all that, but I don't really see very many changes because I think at some point it comes down to talent and they don't have any. I actually think the Colts are going to kind of I think the Colts, I've, I've been predicting a lot of low-scoring games. I think the Colts are might, might run this one up a little bit. I think this one could get ugly. I'm going to say uh, Colts 35, Jaguars 17. So yeah, I think the Colts cover the three and a half. And I am going over, but, you know, depending on if the Jaguars can even get the 10, you know, that's, kind of, <laughs> that's sort of the big thing. I mean, the Colts defense isn't necessarily massively elite. I just don't know if the Jaguars have exactly what it takes. I was tempted to put the Jaguars at like 24, just because they're going to be racing to catch up. But they only got to 24 points once. Granted, it was against the Colts. They won two games. One was against the Colts, 26 to 11. But um, I'm predicting a different outcome. And yeah, I don't think they get to 24. They could possibly get to 21. I just, I'm, I'm picturing three touchdowns and I'm like, no, I don't think so. I'll give them two touchdowns and a field goal. Miami and Baltimore, I think, is kind of fun because I really like Miami's defense, and I fully acknowledge the Ravens have a good defense. Granted, both teams played horrifically bad offenses, but um, the Dolphins allowed seven points, the Ravens allowed nine points. This feels like about kind of what we're dealing with. So it's kind of a question of the offenses. You got the Ravens, real good run team. Lamar adds to that. Elite tight end, good offensive line, no real wide receivers. On the other side, you've got a decent offensive line. Tua, who, you know, I thought maybe would take a step, has not seemed to want to do that. 
again, he's an accurate quarterback, but I don't know. Something, something seems to be missing, but Tyreek is there. Waddle is there. Both of them ranked really highly. Um, they've also got Cedric Wilson from, you know, kind of a classic journeyman slot guy, I guess. I think they can get it done. They've got the firepower on the outside to get it done, but, you know, Tua has currently the lowest, or second lowest, Aaron Rodgers has the lowest, lowest PFF grade of any quarterback while under pressure. Lamar ranks 10th with a nearly 70 overall grade. I think there's going to be pressure. And I think Tua is going to be under more pressure than Lamar is, because I think that's what Baltimore does. I like the coverage aspect in Miami. But again, this is a running team, and we're talking about your run-stopping ability more than your coverage ability. So I I do lean Baltimore here. I I think just from a matchup standpoint, I think you've got a blitz-happy, scary defensive front in Baltimore that's going to bring a lot of pressure against a quarterback that really struggles under pressure, especially a team with, with guys that are good at attacking the ball deep, and that's not going to really develop. Now, they can probably try to get the ball out of their hands quickly, getting the ball to two and everything. But again, I think they're a downhill physical. They're going to sit in zone and let you drop those passes off, and they're going to come down and just light him up. So I, I, yeah, I think the defensive front is going to attack. They're going to sit back and let you throw underneath if that's what you want to do and just crash downhill. And I don't know what they're going to do about that. And I don't think Tua is going to handle that very well. So Miami got 20 against New England. I don't know if they even get there. I think I, I really think Baltimore is going to give them a hard time. I like I like Miami. I still do, and I think in a, in different circumstances, they they probably match up quite a bit better. Not this one in Baltimore. Raucous crowd, violent football team. I think this might be a big one for for Baltimore too. You know, Baltimore's they, they get they get a handful of those every year. Um, I don't I don't know that they crack thirty necessarily because again I, I respect Miami's defense, but I think it's going to be bigger than is maybe expected. And yeah, last time they played, it was their lowest scoring game. It was 10 to 22. I'm chalking that up to Thursday night garbage. I'm going to say Baltimore gets to uh, 27. Hate to keep, keep picking 17, but man, they uh, they were very consistent last year. They had one, two, four games, they scored 17. Three games, they scored 20. So seven of their games were either 17 or 20 points. <laughs> Again, they scored 20 last week, and I think they do a little less good against Baltimore than they did against uh, the Patriots. So I'm going to say 17 to 27. So that is all of the noon games. We'll take a break here. We'll come back and cover the rest of the games. If you'd like to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Uh, I did a, another film breakdown on this time Zach Tom. If you want to get uh, my thoughts on that, this one was only about 24 minutes. I made it a point to not talk so much because I went back and tried to watch the receiver thing and it's like I kind of just wanted to watch the routes and I just kept giving opinions on things and I didn't want to hear it so I tried to be much less chatty and just let the plays kind of run out so it's about 24 minutes long all of Zach Tom snaps and my thoughts on him by the way my thoughts were not nearly as high as I thought they would be actually I kind of figured they'd be a little lower once PFF's grades came out but it was it it sunk even lower than after the grades but anyways if you want to check that out feel free to go do so uh, packernet.substack.com again fertile ground ranch discipleship ministry is the uh, charity we are now supporting i got a link to the top of my twitter as well as in the packernet podcast facebook group if you'd like to check that out otherwise pristineauction.com please remember to go get registered over there they have decided to re-up with us which we greatly greatly appreciate this time around they're giving away a replica lombardi trophy with an awesome jordy nelson graphic on and Jordy Nelson himself signed it. It's going to come with a certificate of authenticity, so you know that it's real. 
packaged up and delivered right to your casa. All you got to do is head over to pristineauction.com, click register under the registration code, put FARV, F-A-V-R-E, and that is it. You're done, you're registered, and you are entered to win. You are also going to get $10 off any item that you buy the first time around. They're going to give you 10 bucks off. So head over there right now, pristineauction.com. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seattle and San Francisco is pretty straightforward to me. I think the San Francisco 49ers are in the exact same situation right now. This is the exact same everything for the 49ers. The 49ers are a much better team than we saw last week. They got beat, they got embarrassed, and there's a million different questions. For them, for us, it's wide receiver. For them, it's quarterback. They can't win because of their quarterback, just like the Packers can't win because of their wide receivers. Now, I tend to think that Packers thing is wrong and the 49ers thing is right. But from their perspective, same exact situation. On top of that, they're facing one of the worst teams in football who happens to be in their own division and a fierce rival. For the Packers, this case, it's the Bears. Terrible football team, division rival, pulled out a victory. Seattle Seahawks, terrible football team, division rival, pulled out a victory. And so you have the 1-0 garbage team in the NFC West going up against the 0-1 let's be honest, somewhat of a powerhouse team. Again, with Trey Lance, I don't know if you can call it that anymore, without Kittle especially. But still, this is the situation. The San Francisco 49ers are eight and a half point favorites, just like the Packers are around 10, I believe. And so the bottom line is Vegas ain't buying the hype. And I'm not either. However, I am all in on the Trey Lance is a really bad quarterback train. Because he is. Not to say he always will be, but he is. Um, the Seattle Seahawks lost safety Jamal Adams. Now, Jamal Adams 
hadn't been exactly as elite as he'd always been all these years or whatever, but last week prior to injury, 87 overall grade. He was probably the highest graded player on their entire team. He goes down with an injury to his leg and he's out. The uh, 49ers have one of their running backs on IR for, uh, you know, don't want to minimize an injury, but they, they have a steady stable of running backs that they could turn to, including their wide receiver, who's basically a running back. So I'm not as worried about that. And so, look, I, I know the Seahawks pulled off a miracle, and certainly they could do it again. Anything is possible. They are in San Francisco this time, not in Seattle. I'm sure they're not going to be as undisciplined as they were last week. That's the assumption anyway. It's also a similarity here. The 49ers were the less disciplined team. They're going up against the Seahawks, who benefited from a very undisciplined team in the, in the Denver Broncos. And so the hope for the 49ers is they can be not the same thing as the Broncos were. They don't want to be the least disciplined team to gift the Seahawks a win, because if they can just be disciplined and do their job and not make mistakes, they probably win. Packers are in the exact same situation. They're playing a team, the Chicago Bears, who are the beneficiaries of a team that was wildly undisciplined. That would happen to be the 49ers. The Packers should benefit from the fact that the Bears weren't actually that good. However, they have to not also be that undisciplined team like they were against the Minnesota Vikings. So assuming they can just get it together and play some basic, straightforward football, there's no reason they shouldn't win this. Trey Lance, I don't think he's great, but he's good enough to be able to distribute the ball to his playmakers, especially guys like Debo Samuel. Get him the ball anywhere on the field, he'll make play. Yes, he's graded really poorly, probably has something to do with the fact that if he fumbled the ball and everything else... He's a playmaker. He's going to be fine. Ayuk is a good wide receiver. They got a talented offensive line. And if nothing else, Trey Lance can take off and run. And if not, then they can obviously run the ball because the 49ers can always run the ball well. And I don't think the Seahawks defense can do much of anything. I think the Seahawks defense is terrible. I also think the Seahawks offense is pretty terrible. I know they got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. That's true. They do. Geno Smith, though, second highest graded quarterback in football. Never. I'm, I'm very happy for him. But come on we're not buying into that, are we? This is up against a much better defense. Yes, they played poorly against the Bears and the slop, but Bosa's actually going to have some footing this time around, and he's going to fire off, and he's going to destroy this team. As is Armstead, as is probably Kinlaw, as is Warner. I, I just think the 49, I, I don't know exactly what their offensive production is going to be. I don't think it'll be that bad, but I think this is a, a get-right game, similar to the Packers. They're going to be angry. They're going to be fired up. They're going to be disciplined, and they're just going to pound their little brother into the, into the dirt. I mean, Seattle won the game, but they scored 17 points. I don't know if the 49ers are capable of scoring a massive amount of points, but, um, man, I really don't want to say 17 again. Um, I just have such a low opinion of teams' inability to score. Everybody always scores. I'm looking at it. 28-20 feels right to me, and I'm like, how do they score 20 points? They'll score 20. 28-20 is what we're going with. Should I, make it, should I just make it a blowout? Forget it. 28 to 16. I'm changing. I'm not making it 17 because I don't want to use that number again. Touchdown and what? Three field goals? It's unlikely if the 49ers are scoring a bunch of points, but I don't care. That's my score prediction. Leave me alone. Rams Falcons, another prime get right game. LA got embarrassed week one. Falcons did what the Falcons always do. Uh, you, you always assume it's a new year, it's a new everything, new, you know, whatever. They'll, they'll, they'll do new things because they're new. No, what the Falcons do is they run up the score, make it look like they're going to blow somebody out, and then give it away. The Falcons had the game won. They ran up the score against the Saints. It looked like they were going to pull up and pull off an upset, and then they allowed the Saints to come back, and they lost 26-27 to in a heartbreaker because that's what every Falcons game is, 
it's a last second heartbreaker. I don't know if they're going to be able to even do that against the Rams. I think the Rams, you know, I, I just, I don't think they necessarily allow that. You know, the Rams aren't necessarily the biggest powerhouse in the world, but they're a very good football team. And they went up against probably the best football team um, that there is in the Buffalo Bills right now. So that was problematic. Plus, it's week one. You're not prepared. They're prepared. And it just kind of looks ugly. Thursday night football also kind of throws things through the ringer. But this is an afternoon game on Sunday. Rams are good. Falcons are bad. I think it's I think we're going to see a more normal what you would expect outcome. Um, I think the Falcons do have somewhat decent corners. They've also got uh, Jared on the inside, who's pretty solid, um, always has been. But I don't think it matters. I think they're just they're moving the ball around too much. Cooper Cup on the inside is just going to be a nightmare for this team. I like their boundary corners. Um, Alfred on the middle, I, I, he's a 2022 undrafted free agent. As far as I understand, that's who's starting in the slot. So that's a complete disaster. I think they're going to run the ball well. I think they're going to throw the ball well. And I think Cooper Cup has 50 billion yards. And on the other side of the ball, you're going to have, um, you know, I mean, they're starting running back as Cordero Patterson. Can we just, can we just start there? I know, I know he had a pretty good week last week, but come on, man. And, and Drake London is probably their number one wide receiver already, which is great, but it's also not great. And uh, I picked on Jalen Ramsey last week, but I think Jalen's out for blood. I don't know if he's going to follow him, but if he does, it's going to be lethal. And so I, I just think this is an absolute, I think this is a bloodbath. Rams are 10-point favorites. Uh, 46 and a half is the uh, over-under. So I'm going to put it at Rams 37, Falcons 23. So it's a 14-point victory, and I have the uh, I'm going over at 60 total points. Denver and Houston, I don't know that I could care much less about a game. Um, they're both 0-1. I do think Denver finally finds its footing. Denver absolutely should have won that game. So again, you kind of get that get right thing. I don't think they're as good. I don't think they're a playoff team like the Packers, like the Rams, like the uh, probably the 49ers, potentially Indy. But this one's going to be at home. I think I think Russell played. I mean, the, the whole team was terrible. Let's be completely honest about it. They were just like a lot of the good teams that lost. It was it came down to discipline, mental mistakes, stupid penalties. The quarterback was completely unsettled in his own environment. You know, I'm sure he was rattled by being booed by Seahawks fans and the noise clearly got to him and the decision making was pretty stupid. But at the end of the day, there's really no doubt in my mind that the uh, Denver Broncos have a better football team. Who's your favorite defensive lineman for the Texans? I mean, from from edge to edge. They did go out and get Jerry Hughes. That was a pretty good get. And yes, he had a phenomenal week last week. So I, I guess you could go with, how old is this guy? He's 34 years old, 34-year-old Jerry Hughes. They did get Derek Stingley. Um, I saw some highlights of him. Currently ranks 44th, but still saw some highlights. Looks like he might be off to a good start. They don't have a defense, man. They don't. Jerry Hughes at 34 is the best thing they got going for him. And rookie Derek Stingley. So Russell Wilson, as much as you might hate him, and yeah, maybe his, his athleticism has gone in the tank and he needs to just get over that and, and stay in the pocket and make plays. And maybe he doesn't, he's going to struggle with that. But, you know, I mean, this is, I'll, I'll put it this way. The old Packers offensive coordinator had better win this game or that's going to be a problem. Because the whole point of this is, the whole reason he was hired is that we have talent. I went out and got you an MVP caliber quarterback. We've got Jerry Judy. We have Sutton. We have Hamler. We got Okwegbanam. We've gone out and gotten these pieces, as well as Billy Turner, who you're familiar with. We've spent a lot on wide receivers and tight ends. 
and offensive linemen. We've done everything we can to get this offense right. You were brought in to maximize the talent we have. We have the talent. Nobody has been in here able to figure out how to utilize it. At least we assume we have the talent. Make this work. Well, didn't work week one. I'm going to put faith in him that even if it's not completely turned around, similar to Packers-Bears, even if we don't 100% get this in, in, in stride, this is a get-right game because this other team across from you sucks. Who's your favorite Texans wide receiver? Brandon Cooks? Maybe. 29-year-old Brandon Cooks? Probably has to be, right? Unless you're a big Nico Collins fan for some reason. Do you even know who their running back is? Did you know it's Rex Burkhead? Because I didn't. <laughs> it's Rex Burkhead. And don't even get me started on Davis Mills. I mean, they, they, the only thing this franchise has really ever done right is um, bring in Laramie Tunsil. That dude's a stud. That's it. It's the only thing they've done right. And, and offload your, your quarterback. It used to be drafting Deshaun Watson, and then that kind of got messed up. That turned into a bad decision. You offloaded all your talent. Watts gone. Not even saying that was a bad decision, just stating a fact. I mean, dude, they have Justin McCray starting at left guard. As you would expect, he is terrible. They don't have wide receivers. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have a running back. They got Laramie Tunsil and nothing else at offensive line. This is a horrifyingly bad football team. And you, you've got Patrick Sertan. You got Nick Chubb. I'm not saying they're necessarily the greatest players in the world, but they should be. You invested in them. You went out and got Randy Gregory. By the way, Randy Gregory and Nick Chubb last week graded out real well. See if they can keep that going. You got Draymond and DJ Jones on the inside. I'm not sitting here saying the, the, the Denver Broncos are an elite team, but they sure as heck are better than the Houston Texans. So I think this is one of three games in which a team is a 10-point favorite. And as far as I know, all three are teams that lost. Could be wrong. I know two of them are because it's Packers and Broncos, but line set at 45 and a half. I'll say this. I do think two people are too high on the Broncos. People have been pumping up Jerry Judy, and I don't think that guy's ever done anything. It's amazing to me. You get a guy like Christian Watson, and I know they weren't drafted at the same time, but just as an example, Christian Watson comes into the league, and it's, he sucks until he proves otherwise. Jerry Judy is elite until, I don't know. I don't know what he has to do to prove he's not. He's elite because we say so. That's about it. So last year, they had the third, the, the Denver Broncos were third on defense, 23rd. I'm shocked they were third on defense and 23rd on offense. So the whole point is if you can get the offense going. Um, I'm going to say, I was going to say I'm not going to do the 10 points. I, don't, I think that's too much, but I actually do want to put, I'm going to do 27-13. Cardinals Raiders is interesting because the biggest question in both of these teams is, do they actually suck? I tend to lean more toward yes when we're talking the Cardinals. I, I you know, it could go either way, but, you know, I mean, th those are questions that are, you know, brought up about the Broncos and the Packers and the 49ers and all these different teams. Like, is that is that loss legitimate? Like, are there actual concerns here? But this is kind of the battle of the, do these teams actually kind of suck? And I think there's legitimate concerns for both. I do think Adams is still Adams, and I, I think that's going to be a major part of this. And that that's that's the biggest thing. As much as it hurts me to say it, Devontae Adams is ranked as the third best wide receiver in football because he is. Because, you know, the idea that Rodgers made Adams is silly. It always was. That's why I said, if you could just make a wide receiver, then why isn't everybody Devontae Adams? Why do we have so many wide receivers come in here and suck? That doesn't make any sense. But they play the Chargers, and I think the Chargers are a pretty good football team. They've got a lot of talent. They, their pass rush was absolutely lethal against a, you know, subpar sort of offensive line, I would say. Much less talented defensive line here with the Cardinals. They don't have that. The Cardinals probably won't get beat up as bad as they did against the Chiefs, 
But I think Carr is going to have a lot more time to operate in the pocket, distribute the ball to Adams, to Renfro, to Waller. I don't know if Watt is playing in this game or not, but if he is, he's maybe the only good player in that front seven that's any good. Isaiah Simmons was a massive bust. Nick Vigil in the third round is a massive bust. Zaven Collins had a, I guess, okay rookie year, terrible week last week. The fact that they drafted Zaven Collins in the first round after getting Isaiah Simmons in the first round should tell you a lot. Uh, Marcus Golden up front is not good. Zach Allen, uh, third round edge rusher that got a lot of hype for a while. That dude has not been very good at all. So again, I think Carr's going to be able to sit back a little bit more, get a little bit more comfortable. I think compared to what he dealt with last week with Khalil Mack absolutely destroying his face along with Bosa, it's going to be night and day. On the flip side, I don't know if this isn't a better defense than what Kyler faced last week. I don't necessarily think the Chiefs defense is dominant. I mean, obviously they do a good job, especially when the offense has the ball for three of the four quarters, but the other team doesn't generally score a lot of points. But uh, Crosby's back up to his old tricks. Max Crosby is just the steal of the century. Seemed like that might have been a fluke in year three. He was the second highest graded pass rusher, led the league in pressures and all this stuff, and he's right back on top again. So I think they're still missing some pieces. I don't know that they have a great defense, and I think the, the Cardinals are going to be able to do a lot more again. This may end up being a pretty high-scoring game on both sides with two teams looking to just get into a slugfest to prove that they aren't the team that sucks. But in the end, I do think the Raiders probably have a better team. And, you know, also in these games, you kind of look at which one has, you look at the better coaching staff and the the more stable this, and it's hard to pick a team because I don't like either of them. I don't like Josh McDaniels, but if nothing else, Josh McDaniels comes from the Patriots and the Patriots are all about, let's just minimize mistakes, play sound fundamental football. The Cardinals paid Kyler Murray and told him he's not allowed to play video games or something stupid (laughs) and then retracted it because they got pressure to not tell him he has to do his homework. It just feels a little bit more like a disaster. So if you're trusting a team to just kind of hang on, I think I'm leaning Raiders. And again, they've got the safety valve with Devontae Adams, like Rodgers used to have, that the chips are down, just throw it up to him kind of thing. So it looks like, I'm just looking at it now, the Raiders are five and a half point favorites, and the, the over-under is set at 51. So it looks like everybody's kind of on the same page, or at least my my thought is Vegas's thought as well. Um, scores... Raiders only got to 19, and that was actually pretty standard for them. About half of their games were 19 or less. It was pretty brutal. But the funny thing is, um, one, two, three, four, five, six of their games were 30 or more. So they either blew a team out or didn't even get to 20. Only two games, 23 points against the Colts, 26 points against the Steelers. I know it's a slightly different team and all that, but I'm leaning in the 30 range for them this week. Cardinals were somewhat similar. Half of their games were up in the 30s. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get there as well. They only lost one game last year when they got to 30, which isn't surprising. That's most people's case. But they lost 30-38 to 38 against the Seahawks. Raiders were undefeated when they got to that point. There were two games where they were in the 30s, and their opponent was also in the 30s. 35-32 against the Chargers, 36-33 against the Cowboys. Both of those games were overtime wins. I, I, I just think it's going to be something like that. I'm not going to predict overtime, but um, 36-33, 35-32, right in that range. I'm going to say 35-32 Raiders. Bengals and Dallas is interesting, obviously, because we're missing a quarterback for Dallas. Dak Prescott is out with what is called an arm injury. I thought it was his hand or his finger or something, but it says arm. So, look, I, I think you talk about a get-right game. I think this is it. Um, again, I, I told you I think Dallas might be slightly overrated, although they, they still were able to get some stuff done. Um, you still saw Parsons getting those sacks. He's ranked third right now. But Diggs, where's Diggs? I mean, you're, Trayvon Diggs is 
He's an interception guy. Did he get an interception? I should check to see if he did before I start popping off at the mouth too much. He did have two pass breakups, but he gave up a touchdown. No interceptions yet. He's he's just around the ball a lot, man. That's what he does. But he's 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 one of those guys that likes to jump routes, but also gives up a ton. So six targets, three receptions, and a touchdown on that game. But 62 overall grade, then a 58 in year two, 54 so far this year. He's trending downward. So Parsons is still the real deal. And of course, Lawrence is still a threat off the edge, but I don't think they have good corners. I don't think they have <laughs> Bohanna. <laughs> Clinton Bohanna. That's funny. Sorry. Um, they did go out and get Anthony Barr. I don't know why. That guy's never been a good football player. Um, I think the Bengals got beat up real bad last week. And I think it was because they were up against a real powerful pass rush. And make no mistake, Parsons and Lawrence are coming constantly because that's what they want to do. But Joe Burrow, with that kind of a performance, four turnovers, sacked 500,000 times, still almost won the game. And so you talk about a team that's fired up and motivated. They were in the Super Bowl. I still think Joe Burrow is one of the best quarterbacks in football, even though last week was a disaster. But remember, I mean, year one, the dude busted up his knee. Year two, he comes back and goes to the Super Bowl. So he clearly has the ability to put some stuff behind him and go out and perform. And if he can stay healthy, which again, they're going to bring pressure, but Higgins and Chase and Boyd, you got Mixon in the backfield. I think they've just got some serious offensive firepower. The offensive line is obviously a massive question mark, but you've got still one of the best wide receiver groups, a top 15-ish running back, uh, top five quarterback up against a just beat down, defeated, Dallas Cowboys team that knows they don't have a quarterback and they're not going to win a lot of football games. And so you got Lawrence and Parsons trying to get pressure all the time, but the corners can't cover and nobody else can bring pressure and it's just kind of a disaster. And Cooper Rush is going to try to uh, figure out a way to do something. And by the way, the Bengals defense is not bad. Um, you got Hendrickson, you got Reeder, you got some guys that can bring some pressure against a an offensive line that, again, they've got some really good players, but then they've just got some holes. And so I think Cooper Rush is, I mean... They're just going to run the ball. I mean, they're, they're going to run the ball. They're going to try to do some stuff up front, and defenses are going to be able to scheme to take that away. And so, I mean, again, Hendrickson and Reeder and, um, you know, Awuzie, the corners aren't the greatest, but Bates, the safety, I, I, I think the Cowboys are going to get embarrassed in this game. I really do. I think it's hard to, I think the Cowboys think they're going to come out and try to, like, show the world something. And uh, but deep down in their psyche, they, they know that this is going to be bad and, and they're they're discouraged. And so it's a very thin veneer. So you might see the, the Cowboys come out and like, you know, if, if the if the Bengals get the ball first, you might see that defense just just savagely destroy the Cincinnati Bengals. And there's all they're all fired up and, and, and it's in Dallas and you're going to hear the roars of the crowd and everything else. But they're not going to be able to sustain it. And their confidence is is a thin, fake veneer. And once that erodes, their heads are going to sink, and there's, this thing's going to just take off like a rocket. And so the Bengals are seven-point favorites. 41.5 is the over-under. Dallas is, I mean, even with Dak, they were garbage. Just pure trash. And granted, Cooper, uh, credit to Tampa Bay's defense. But, um, you know, I'm going to say like 34-10, to because I think the Bengals are going to get on their horse, and they're going to score a bunch of points. And I don't think Dallas has the capability to do that. Maybe I'm just riding the Bengals way too high, but you know, I mean, if this was a, if they were playing Tampa or the Saints or any like solid defense, I'd be a little bit worried. But I don't think that I, mean, I shouldn't even say the Cowboys don't have a pass rush. They they just have a pass rush, and they they really only have a really good pass rush when Micah Parsons blitz blitzes. And I, I just think that there's so much that you can do as an offensive coordinator 
And again, they run the same offense as we do, as the Vikings do, as the Bears do, as the Broncos do, as half the league does. They're going to be able to do plenty of things to navigate around two good defensive players. Um, I'm going to talk about the two Monday night games, and then we'll end with the Bears-Packers. Tennessee-Buffalo. I feel bad for Tennessee because Tennessee didn't deserve the beating they got. They, they like the Packers and a bunch of other teams. They got beat. They got caught with their pants down. It was ugly. It was brutal. They should have their get-right game, and they're going up against Buffalo. That sucks. I will say it's not impossible Buffalo loses. Um, Buffalo lost some pretty inexplicable games last year. I mean, right, right out of the gate last year, they lost week one to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, they actually lost to the Tennessee Titans in, a, in an absolute shootout last year, 34-31. to But they lost to the Jaguars 6-9. to They lost to the Colts 15-41. to They lost to the Patriots 10-14. to You know, I mean, they, they just, they had these weird kind of games. And, and I, I think Tennessee's a good football team. You know, it's still Tannehill. It's still Derrick Henry. They don't have the super good offensive line like they used to. Still got Taylor Lewan, but that dude kind of fell off after 2019, so that's not really much of a thing anymore. Left guard is a guy named Aaron Brewer. I've never heard of him. He's not good. Center is Ben Jones, who's a decent 33-year-old. They got the rookie Nicholas Petit Frere out of Ohio State. Third-round draft pick, playing uh, right tackle. His grades hold up to what we knew about him in college. His run blocking is much better than his pass blocking. To be honest, I don't care if I'm the Tennessee Titans because that's what we want to do. I think the biggest issue is the lack of wide receivers. They used to have some really high-quality wide receivers, you know. A.J. Brown was there. You know, when you had this this dynamic group, you know, they used to have tight ends, they used to have wide receivers, and now it's kind of just Tannehill and Henry, and Henry's not what he used to be necessarily. He kind of peaked in 2020 and then is slowly kind of drifting. So it's 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 one of those where they they've got enough to kind of put up a fight, but I don't can you hang with the Buffalo Bills for four quarters? I think that's tough. You did it last year, but that was a different animal. You know, I mean AJ Brown was kind of the star of that game. 91 yards. Julio Jones was second in line with 59 yards. Those guys are gone now. So I want to believe that the Titans have a shot. I just I struggle to think it's gonna happen. I, I just think the 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 Bills are solid at so many places even if you can take it to them for a while they've got they've got the ability to hang with you for such a long time and you're talking about the number three offense and the number one defense from last year I mean it was, it was probably was the best team in football last year but they got beat by the Chiefs Chiefs are one of those teams man they they they, they get on a, a hot streak and they'll just take it to you but I just don't think Tennessee's that team anymore I don't think they're as bad as they were last week I think they more than likely beat the Giants more often than not. But Tennessee's one of those, are they really this bad teams? And the Giants technically could be a, could they be this good kind of a team? So, I mean, in Buffalo, geez. Buffalo are 10-point favorites. I'm a little surprised by that. People are really low on Tennessee. It's got to be just because they lost everybody. It's funny, though, because the the thought I had was 29-19, which would be exactly 10 points. I'm going to say 29-20, though, Buffalo's favor. So I'll say that Tennessee covers the 10 points by a point. Over-unders at 48, so I've got it over by a point. I'm kind of surprised how close to Vegas I am on some of these. It makes me feel like I'm not entirely crazy. But yeah, I, I just think Buffalo's probably better in just about every phase. So 29-20 Buffalo. Then we get to Minnesota and the Philadelphia Eagles also on Monday night. This is the late Monday night game, if that makes any sense, because they're both late. But this one's tough. First of all, I think the biggest reason that their defense looked as good as it was did is because of the pressure they were able to get on defense, and I don't think they get anywhere near that against Philly. That's number one. I don't think this defense is is quite as good as they seem to be against the Packers. 
This is one of the better offensive lines in football. Didn't they kind of stumbled out of the gate? No question, but I think they get their footing here. It's it's a good defensive line. They're not going to have nearly the amount of success that they had. I've mentioned AJ Brown is one of the more underrated players in all of football. Uh, he ranked 14th as a rookie, ranked second overall in his second year, fifth overall in 2021. He's second right now. So the last three years, he ranked second, fifth, and second via PFF. AJ Brown is a very good wide receiver. Um, he had an 88.8 overall grade in week one. And again, they've got Devontae Smith as well. He didn't have a great week one, but he's a good football player. They got Dallas Goddard at tight end. They got Sanders. Very, very good running team. And that's the other thing. The Minnesota Vikings were trash against trying to stop us from running. We just didn't do it. This is maybe the best team in football running the ball against one of the worst teams in football running the ball or stopping the run. That right there is an automatic disaster. On the flip side, I'm, I think a lot of what the Vikings did was real. And I'm not massively high on the defense of the Eagles. Cousins is legit. Cook is legit. Jefferson is legit. I think their offensive line is is underrated. I think Osborne has always been under or overrated. And Adam Thielen is continuing his decline. Um, again, he 2020, he ranked sixth. 2021, he ranked 35th. And after yesterday, he ranks 59th. I expect that to get better as the season goes on, but I don't necessarily think he's going to have a bounce back year after last year. I think he's going to have a similar year to last year and probably continue to trend down every year. He's 32 years old. That's what happens. So the Vikings are a little overrated and they're going to come down to earth a little bit. I don't know if they lose though. I think the offense kind of keeps cooking here. The the defensive line for the Eagles is pretty good. I don't know that it's going to necessarily dominate this offensive line. And we saw against the Packers, there was a decent amount of pressure, but the ball came out pretty quick. They're going to continue to move Justin Jefferson around to make sure he has enough space and to be able to operate. And they've got Irv Smith and they've got Cook and they've got Thielen and they've got all these guys that they can utilize to be able to move the ball around. You know, Fletcher Cox is still there, but again, he he hasn't really been a thing since 2019. Javon Hargrave hasn't really been a good player since 2019. Josh Sweat's pretty good, but he's not necessarily elite. I don't think they have that elite pass rusher. They just got solid, steady guys. The best thing I think the Eagles can do is to stop them from running the ball. And I know that's not what their number one priority is anymore like it used to be. But if you make them one-dimensional, just by winning up front, I'm not talking bring extra guys. You be strong up front. And they got they got N'Kobe Dean, the other Georgia linebacker, to come in and help out, along with you know the, the stalwarts like TJ Edwards, who's been pretty solid there for a while. You do that, you got big play Slay. Underrated corner. He was when he was in Detroit, too. Now, he might have been overrated in Detroit, but <laughs> he's underrated since he left. Forget how much everybody said he was like a top five guy. It's like, eh, not really. He is good, though. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, massively overrated player, but he's gets a lot of hype and a lot of love as a talented player. I don't know, man. I, I see a decent amount of points, but I also see the Eagles trying to run the ball a lot. And I think that kind of can be a dangerous thing because if if you're trying to play catch up to the Vikings if they're having success then suddenly you're going to have to turn from that and I think if you have to pass a lot not that I necessarily trust the Vikings to stop them from being able to pass because again Jalen's not bad the wide receivers are good the offensive line is good but it's not them playing their style of game so the Vikings need to run up the score fast but I don't know if they're going to be they couldn't they didn't run up the score against the Packers and the Packers gifted them points I think the Eagles win I I came into this saying the Vikings are going to win but Again, it's a it's a matchup thing. You know, do I think the just it's, if we were to do a power ranking, would I put the Vikings ahead of the Eagles? Probably. Matchup though, again, dominant elite rushing team against a terrible run defense. The Vikings being gifted all these points and all these yards by the by the Packers with their miscommunication, and they came up with what, 23 points? 
That's all an elite offense can muster when a, when a team comes out and falls on its face. 23. Eagles put up what last year or last week? I know this defense isn't as bad, but 38 points is the real deal, man. Number seven rushing offense in terms of yards per attempt. Vikings are 28th in terms of yards per attempt. They give up 6.2 yards per attempt. The Eagles got 5.5 yards per attempt. By the way, the Eagles passing offense ranks seventh and their passing defense ranks ninth. Again, it was against the Lions, but I don't know. I don't know. I came into this again saying the Vikings are probably going to win. I'm, I'm leaning Eagles. And the fact that I think that they're going to do a lot of their damage on the ground makes me think the score might not quite get as high as I'm thinking that it will. Eagles are two and a half point favorites. The over-unders at 50 and a half. I think that's fair. I'd be stunned if both teams are held to under like 25-ish. I think the Vikings get their points. I, I, I think they're going to be able to move against... It's just a matter of how much time are they going to get. I don't know. But we'll, we'll stick my, with my original instinct that it's going to be pretty high scoring, and I think the Eagles win. We, strangely, I struggle to think that the Vikings won't get to 30, but again, they, they couldn't do it last week. Um, Eagles are a weird team, man. It's like they either blow a team out or they get blown out. 44-6, to 40-29, 34-10, 33-18, 32-6, 30-13, 27-7, 31-7, 31-7, they lost 42-30, 51-26, 24-27 is the first close game I've seen, 33-22, 41-21. I mean, there, there's maybe four games that were kind of close, and none of them were when the Eagles scored a lot of points. I hate to do it because it's going to sound biased, but let's go 34-26 Eagles. All right, finally, 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 finally. Um, I really wish I had some information about the Packers' offensive line. Really wish I did. I don't know who's playing and who's not playing. I don't have don't have any information on that, unfortunately. I know that everybody practiced. Just got word here, by the way. Donovan Smith, the tackle for the Buccaneers, is um, doubtful to play. Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Russell Gage, Brashad Perriman, all questionable. Chris Godwin has been ruled out. It's crazy, man. But anyways, we do have the injury report here. Uh, Green Bay Packers questionable status for David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Alan Lazard, and John Runyon. That's it. It's pretty solid. No doubtful, no out. Uh, that leaves Hanson, Mercedes Lewis, Keyshawn, Nixon, Quay Walker, all were full participants. Uh, Mercedes was fine. He just had veteran rest or whatever, but everybody else good to go. Uh, Valus Jones is doubtful, so he probably will not be in this game, so we don't have to worry about that, which is great. Riley Reef was a full participant, but I don't know if he's even playing and then Kari Blazin game I think is their fullback so I don't really know how much of a role he has so basically full strength minus Valus Jones for the Bears and Packers we didn't really learn a lot other than no bad news yet the good news is I know last week we were told you know some guys didn't practice on Friday and the the thought process generally is if they don't practice on Friday they're probably not going to play with the exception of a few veterans that maybe don't need it everybody else you kind of need it if you don't practice you don't play Everybody was out there practicing, so great sign. Doesn't help in terms of the overall evaluation, but that's fine. We'll we'll rock with what we've got here. We're not going to find out until late Sunday who's actually playing. Um, if I had to throw a guess out there, I'd say no for Bakhtiari. Yes for Elton Jenkins. He was a full participant uh, for today, which was great, or yesterday. I think he's going to play. If I Just, again, a guess. Lazard, I think, is going to play. Runyon, I don't know. I would lean... No, which is a weird combination that we weren't really anticipating, but what would that essentially mean? Left tackle would probably be Elton Jenkins. I mean, it's what he was last year, you know what I mean? I know he's been taking all his snaps at right tackle and everything, but I think that's in his anticipation for playing with um, 
David Bakhtiari. So I, I would assume just because that's what they have done in the past. They put Elton Jenkins at left tackle when he's he's ready to go. So I think Elton's going to be our left tackle. I think left guard is going to be, um, assuming I'm right about Runyon being out, I think it'll stay Zach Tom just because I don't really think we have better options. I know that sounds harsh, but again, I watched Zach Tom. I didn't think he looked very good at all. In fact, if there was a bigger problem between Hanson and Tom in the time that Tom was out there, I would probably lean Tom was worse than Hanson. Wasn't really fully watching Hanson, but I'm just saying, I, I would be stunned if Hanson ended up being worse than Tom in that time. And that would mean that Yash would end up playing right tackle and Royce would be right guard. So, I mean, that, it's actually a massive upgrade kind of across the board. We would have a, a very, very good, I mean, who knows, Elton Jenkins has been out a long time. He might be a little rusty coming back. It's not like he's never had a bad day before. Um, but you feel good about him at left tackle, um, left guard. If nothing else, it's Zach Tom's first official start. Um, he's been getting a lot more practice reps. Obviously, last week, the entire week was given to John Runyon to prepare for left guard. Zach Tom's been probably getting a ton of left guard reps while John Runyon's out, so that's only going to help. So I would, uh, I would hope for a better performance from Zach Tom. Josh Myers, again, at center, so nothing changes there. Royce, I think, is going to be a massive upgrade over Jake Hansen. And then Yash will be, I believe, an upgrade over Royce Newman. So we're upgrading basically every spot with the exception of Josh Myers. That's not not anything that I know, but it, it's it's what kind of makes sense if you had to bet. Elton or Yash. Zach Tom coming in halfway through with no experience or his second game, his first full game, and a full week of practice. I choose this version of Zach Tom. Royce or Jake Hansen at guard. Yash or Royce at right tackle. I mean, I, in my opinion, it's it's better across the board with the exception of Josh Myers that stays there. So that's potentially good news. I, I think it gets better if John Runyon stays at left guard. I think the left side of the line is going to be dominant because I think you've got some elite pass blockers on that side. John Runyon, for whatever his faults are as a run blocker, is a... Di- I, I, to be completely honest, Zach Tom might be a better pa- run blocker than John Runyon. I'll give him that. I mean, he stumbled a couple times, but he did some really nice stuff as a run blocker. I'm mostly talking one-on-one pass blocking reps where he just got bowled straight back into the quarterback. But, you know, anyways, we'll see what ends up happening. For all I know, David and John Runyon and Josh Myers and Royce and Elton are the full-strength offensive line that we had always dreamed of. But anyways, let's take a little look-see at the showdown. Green Bay Packers are 10-point favorites. PFF actually has it a little higher, 10.3 points. They use fractions and whatnot, but that's they, they see it even more in Packers' favor. The um, total is set to 41 and a half which seems really low, and I think that makes sense from the standpoint of the perception of the two teams. I think people think low of the Bears' offense and moderately high of the Bears' defense. I think people think low of the Packers' offense and moderate and, and fairly high of the Packers' defense. In other words, the Bears are not going to be able to move the ball very much against the Packers' defense, and I think people are concerned that the Packers aren't going to be able to do much with their no-wide receivers against this Bears' moderately talented defense. I think that's the perception. It's also interesting when you track the over-under, um, it's been dropping. So the initial on on like three days ago from where I'm at, it was at uh, the it was at 43, which dropped to 41 and a half. PFF had it at 44 and dropped it down to 42.6. So I'm somewhat curious what information has come out that has made them think that this is going to be a lower scoring game other than just some sort of general group thinky thing I, I don't really know but I think I still wonder about our defensive front a little bit but not as much as I'm, I'm not as concerned if you look at last week it really was the interior that won I think our edges held up 
I think Royce and Yash had a pretty decent game against two of the more feared pass rushers. As much as it might not seem like that, Zadarius really didn't have that many pressures in the game. He had like three pressures in a sack. And as somebody pointed out, yeah, well, it was at crucial times. That's fine. But still, on a play-to-play basis, they didn't have as big of an impact in the passing game as um, as I would have thought. The interior is what failed. And, and the Vikings interior... If you look at their grades, they're all 90s across the board, which partially probably has to do with their just having a great day. Partially has to do with guys like Zach Tom and Jake Hansen not really having the greatest days in the world. But um, assuming we have an upgraded offensive line, that should improve. But beyond all that, the only strength the Bears have along their front is their edges. The interior defensive linemen that they have are horrible. They're horrible. Justin Jones and uh, Angelo Blackson. Angelo Blackson is ranked 99th out of 99 defensive tackles right now. And there's a lot of talk, well, that was because of the slop and everything else. He has a 30 overall grade, and it's only slightly lower than normal. 2019, he ended the season with a 43 overall grade. 2020, he had a 44 overall grade. 2021, he had a big spike year, 50 overall grade. I think there might be a one cutoff here because it's, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but uh, just, just completely brutal. So I'm significantly less concerned about their interior. And yeah, they got Roquan there for if you're running the ball, which is a complete joke because he's a garbage run-defending linebacker. Um, It's never really been a strength for him. He's more of a coverage guy. But anyways, um, I think that ends up matching up best for us. Our edges, especially if we're getting at least one of our tackles back, then our edges got a lot stronger. I mean, we're going from essentially Royce Newman up to Elton Jenkins. That's the trade we're making, along with a, again, massive upgrade at right guard and a downgrade, massive downgrade along the defensive line. Again, it's kind of hard to gauge exactly how much to read into last week uh, or even last year because it's such a different team. Um, the defensive tackles are very different. Um, Al-Kadin Muhammad off the edge was not there last year. A lot of the guys that are on this team weren't there, so I, I can't really look at last year, and I, I can't really look at last week because of all the rain and everything, but I can tell you that they couldn't run and they couldn't stop the run, and you can't blame them both on the weather because that means the 49ers were able to run and stop the run. The Bears got 2.7 yards per attempt on the ground last week. They allowed 4.8. This should be better weather on Sunday. It's supposed to rain or maybe rain, I don't know, but... Either way, they struggled on the ground a lot. And the fact of the matter is that shouldn't be surprising. None of the guys that they have are very good run defenders. Al-Kadin Muhammad, I mean, he wasn't a very good pass rusher either last year. 37 pressures on 457 attempts, but just a 63 run defense grade. Not very good at all. He lived at about a 60. Robert Quinn, 18 sacks, 47 pressures on 402 attempts. He had a 52 run defense grade. I already told you about the defensive tackles. Roquan is a terrible run defender. This team is not built to stop the run. They're not built for it. They ranked 19th last year, and I think they got worse. Again, you can talk about, well, Khalil Mack only played a half a year, and Akeem Hicks only played a half a year. Yeah, but they still played that half a year, and that factors into you being 19th rather than 25th. It plays a role. They still got those tackles, and they still got those stops, and they still did all those things. Jalen Johnson had a real good uh, week last week. We'll see how well that holds up. Again, he took a step from year one to year two. If he takes a step from year two to year three, that's not overly surprising. Um, But I'm not really worried about it. At the end of the day, the strength of this team is the fact that they distribute the ball around a lot. Even if Jalen Johnson becomes Jair Alexander overnight, it's not going to matter. What's he going to do? Lock down Alan Lazard? (laughs) Whoop-de-doo. He's not going to take Christian Watson away. That's not going to happen. 
Jalen Johnson runs a 4-5-140. So that's just not going to happen. If he wants to get behind Jalen Johnson, he will, and he'll take, he'll take Eddie Jackson with him. So I'm not super worried about it. Because again, that's not really the point. You know, we spend, myself included, too much time saying, well, Jalen Johnson against Alan Lazard, Johnson wins. Okay, there's that. Watkins against Gordon. Well, that's good. It's not how this works, man. I mean, the, the, the overall point to all this is, again, the Packers offense didn't look bad. The blocking was a problem. Aaron Rodgers was under duress constantly, and we had guys wide open. And Bears fans can pretend all they want while the wide receivers can't get open. They were open all day. All day. Almost every single play. I saw one of the Bears fans on Twitter highlighted, oh, here it was. Rodgers was under pressure. None of the receivers was open. He highlighted one of maybe three or four plays where that happened all day. That's it. And so without the pressure, and I don't think the Bears are going to bring very much. I mean, they'll, they'll get some, of course. I don't expect them to get completely shut out. But without that, I don't see any reason why the Packers won't be able to operate on the ground and through the air. The other side of the ball is just completely dependent on the Packers' defense. The Bears' offense will get only as much as the Packers' defense allowed, period. If the Packers' defense decides to wake up and um, play to their full potential and not have guys like Amos and Savage as the worst safeties in football, literally, Adrian Amos is 66 out of 66, Savage is or, uh, 68 out of 68, Savage is 66 out of 68. Dead last and third from the bottom. You know that's fake. I don't know what happened. I don't know why it happened, but that's not going to happen again. But Campbell looked good. Walker looked good. Gary looked good. Clark looked good. Jair looked good. But we got to get more than that. The safety's got to wake up. Preston had a decent day, but he can do better. Dean was just getting washed all over the field. That's garbage. But, I mean, again, it's, it's entirely up to the, de- the defense. If, if they want to show us that defensive line that was pushing everybody around, Go do it. Bears are bragging about their offensive line because the, you know, the 49ers couldn't get any footing. Okay, go show them. The Bears are bragging about plays in which they had blown coverages. I mean, Equinemius St. Brown's the number two wide receiver. Are you going to let Equinemius St. Brown push you around? It's up to you. It's not up to them. The fallacy is that it is up to the steamroller. It is up to the object, whether it will be flattened or not. Never thought I would um, use that for anything ever heard that a hundred times in my life, that line. And I, every time I hear it, I think that's the most incorrect thing ever. But guess what? We're using it today. It's up to the Packers whether or not they will be flattened. And so I don't really know what that looks like, but I know that it just comes down to discipline. If the Packers are, are a moderately disciplined team, the, the Bears really don't stand a chance. Our defensive line should absolutely destroy their offensive line. Our secondary should erase their offense. Which, which did basically nothing last week. And again, they can talk about the rain all they want. The, the deluge didn't hit till like the fourth quarter, okay? So we're talking about a drizzle and a wet field. I don't know what that has anything to do with wide receivers, not, not a single wide receiver even getting a second reception. They just don't have anything. And so it's, it's either going to just stay on paper and they're going to be able to march down the field against us or we're actually going to see the worst NFL offense go up against one of the top NFL defenses, and it's going to actually look like it's supposed to look, which is to say they don't get the 10 points, period. Unless it's a, a, a you know fumble recovery for a touchdown or a kick return or punt return for a touchdown, there should not be that many points. So look, Packers against the Bears, Packers don't lose. Packers at home, Packers don't lose. Packers after a loss, Packers don't lose, period. Packers offense look fine minus the pass rush. They won't be pass rush, not as much. Do I think this is another get-right game? Absolutely, I do. Do I think it's going to be ugly? Yes, I do. Last time the Packers played, it was 45-30. to 30. 
I don't think it'll be that extreme in either category and either side. But I think it'll be more than the the game prior, which was 24 to 14. So I'm not going to keep them sub 10 because I don't think we get that top five defensive performance this week. I don't know if we ever get it, but I doubt it'll be this week. I'm just saying what they should be expected to do. It's not my expectation, but I'm going to say 35-17 Packers. Anyways, that's it. I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.